What makes the Christian life different than the life of those who are not? Or maybe I should say, what's supposed to make the Christian life different compared to all those who are not Christian in the world? Because I think from our experience, too often, there's not really a difference in the way that life is lived and expressed between a Christian versus a non-Christian. So what's supposed to be the difference in the way that we go about life as Christians compared to those who are not? In the Gospel today, Jesus offers a correction to the scribes and the Pharisees about how they are living about their Jewish life, how they're living about their relationship with God. And he gives the line that we've all heard many times before and know well, that it's not what goes in that defiles, but it's what comes out that defiles the human person. Now, maybe Jesus is just getting at, you know, you are responsible for your own thoughts, words, and actions, right? You can't blame anybody else for what you do wrong. It comes from within you. You have the freedom to choose. I think that might be part of it. But at least when I read it, I see something more about the way that we're called to live as Christians in what he's getting at. For some of us, our grandmothers, our mothers make like the best pie or the best cookies. And when they're no longer around to provide that for us anymore, we steal the recipe and we try to imitate it, right? You want to try to keep that good in your life and you try to mirror everything that mom or grandma did to make that particular dish. And so you try to use the exact same ingredients sometimes even go to the exact same brand of whatever the ingredient is, doing it about the same way, rolling it out the same number of times. You try to imitate as best you can so that what you create mirrors what your mom or grandmother created. Or if you play a sport, you see a professional athlete in that sport and you, to get better, to be proficient at that sport, you might try to imitate everything that that athlete does, all the way down to their diet and their exercise regime and all of the exercise that they do and skills that they practiced and amount of hours that they play. You mirror that in the hope that what comes out of you mirrors that reality. But what happens if you try to make grandma's pie who absolutely used butter from the farm, and you insist, I'm not using butter, butter's unhealthy, I'm gonna use margarine instead. And I'm convinced that I can make exactly what grandma made, but with margarine instead. Is that gonna work? Or with the athlete, it's, I'm going to go about playing this sport that I love however I want. What do all sports have? Penalties because all players in the sport have to follow a set of rules in order for it to all flow and work properly. If the individual person makes a choice that goes against that rule, it defiles the game. And they have to sit out, spend two minutes, feel shame, and then they can come back. This, I think, is part of what Jesus is talking about in the Christian life. And to me, it's the idea of congruity of life. 
What do I mean by that? God is the creator of all things. If that is true, if we really live from that truth, then what comes from that is that we are invited, we are called to be a part of that truth, to be a part of that reality, right? The world existed before we ever showed up. It will continue to exist after we go. We are here and to live righteously as a Christian is to allow what God has created to become a part of us so that that is what comes out of us. We hear that in our first reading from Deuteronomy. You know, we always hear in Deuteronomy about the law, right? Follow the law. Listen attentively to the law. I think usually when we hear law and we hear rules, we think about everything that I'm not supposed to do. But think back to sports. Why do laws, why do the rules exist? So that the game can be played as it's intended to be played. There's something particular in today's reading from Deuteronomy. The writer in Deuteronomy tells us why they're supposed to follow the law and listen to it attentively. It's because through that, they will show all nations their wisdom and their discernment. What's the idea of wisdom? Wisdom is the idea that through my lived life, through what I have come to know as true, I know how to apply that in the world. And how does wisdom increase? That the greater the wisdom, the greater its application. Right? I could be wise in one area of life, but what's a truly wise person? When they tell you something, it's true for all peoples, in all circumstances, for all times. The greater the wisdom, the more impact it has. Why? Because it comes from God. The person who is wise has allowed what has come from God to become a part of them, and it comes back out from them. They live righteously. They don't put a block in the way. Today, it's the Feast of St. Augustine. And St. Augustine underwent a big conversion in his life. And part of his conversion was understanding this truth. And so this is from his confessions, where he's writing kind of like a letter to God about how this happened in him. And listen to the way that he describes it. He uses the image of light, which is the same image that James uses in his letter today. So he's speaking directly to God. Urged to reflect upon myself, I entered under your guidance into the inmost depth of my soul. I was able to do so because you were my helper. On entering into myself, I saw, as it were, with the eye of the soul, what was beyond the eye of the soul, beyond my spirit, your unchanging light. It was something entirely distinct, something altogether different from all these things, and it did not rest above my mind as oil on the surface of water, nor was it above me as heaven is above the earth. This light was above me because it made me. I was below it because I was created by it. He who has come to know the truth knows this light. The light, and when we conform ourselves, when we are congruous, when we are in harmony with the light that has created us, we exude that wisdom. How does that happen? St. James tells us. 
God gives us birth by the word of truth, and we welcome with meekness the implanted word that has power to save our souls. God's word of truth comes, and when that spills out of us, we have the wisdom of God. Well, what's the correction of the Pharisees and the scribes today? They're worried about cleanliness on the outside, ritual purity. What are they trying to do? They're trying to prevent anything that could contaminate their souls from getting in. They're protecting themselves. What happens if we do that? We inevitably block out God at the same time. A Christian is not, our Christian heart is not intended to be a fortress where we try to keep all evil things out of our life because it's impossible. We live in a world with evil. The Christian is not a fortress. The Christian is a, a sieve that allows what is evil and unwanted to pass through and holds on to the good. We let the word of truth, we hold on to it, and we let what is evil pass by. And then when we do that, what comes out of us doesn't defile us. If we rather hold on to what is evil, we are defiled. Why? Because we are no longer in harmony. We are no longer in congruity with the world that God has made for us to live in. And then we are no longer in proper relationship with Him. Now I know this is really abstract. I had a really hard time making this more concrete. I had the idea and my mind was all over the place, so here's my attempt to make this idea more concrete. Say you are having a conversation with somebody that you know. One is pro-vaccination, the other one is anti-vaccination. That never happens, right? Now everybody's probably wondering, what does Father Chris think? Is he pro-vaccination or anti-vaccination? You will never hear me say anything political from the pulpit. Theoretically, pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination. What ends up happening? Both people are so rooted in their way of thinking that they hold their ground. So what are you going to do? Are you going to let whatever truth you see in your point of view, are you going to let that truth be the thing that divides? Because that's what you're holding on to. Ask yourself, is that the truth that God desires you to hold on to? What is the greater light in that interaction and in that relationship? Is that relationship going to live and die on where you stand on this position? The greater light is that this person is also a child of God. And we are equally children of God. And so if we disagree on something, it doesn't end that reality. Am I willing to let that truth be my guiding light in the way that I speak and act with others? And then go even further. What is it even higher truth? The desire for every Christian is that each person be with God eternally in heaven. So can I look at this person who thinks completely opposite to me and say, I want you in heaven beside me for all of eternity. Will you, be, will you let that be the truth that you accept from God and let the rest pass away? Will, your, will you let your heart be a sieve that holds on to
to the truth that comes from God alone and let the rest pass away. So that your mind, your heart can be congruous in harmony with what God has created. What makes the Christian life different than the life of others? I don't know if this is a good answer, but I think it's part of it. That what makes the Christian life dif different is our willingness, our desire, and our ability to let the world that has been created by God shape our thoughts, words, and actions by His truth and allowing ourselves to reflect that back to the world.